Time. It's such an abstract concept that we really can't explain it. We can't see it or feel it. We just experience it. Time is something we can't escape from. But what is it? And when did it begin? Find out in a minute. He invented time at the beginning of creation. We live within time, but we can't really tell what it is. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Far too often, our lives seem to be dictated by time and schedules. We hurry to church, run to work, rush off to school. What is this thing called time that has us in its grip? Well, why not call a timeout for the next 15 minutes and join us as we discuss the mysteries of time. What is it? When did it begin? Can we travel through it? And when will time end? Dr. Danny Faulkner, professor of astronomy at the University of South Carolina, points out that time is something that we can't fully comprehend. Nobody knows what time is. I've heard the old story that time is just one of those things that God made to prevent everything from happening at once. And there's maybe a lot of truth to that, because I think God exists in a a kind of timeless sort of thing. He invented time at the beginning of creation, and uh, we live within time, but... We don't know what time is, we can measure it, we can describe it, we have theories about it, but we can't really tell what it is. It's just a sequential numbering or ordering of of events. ICR atmospheric scientist Dr. Larry Vardaman explains time from a scientific perspective. Time is one of the three main constituents of the universe as we know it. Mass, we're familiar with because we're made up of that kind of material, mass. And space is this empty location all around us in which the mass is located. And time is the third element. All three of those are talked about, actually, in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so the reference to time is there in the beginning, the very first part. So, time, as we know it, started when God created everything in the beginning. Dr. Donald DeYoung is professor of physics at Grace College in Winona Lake, Indiana. Time begins at the physical creation when God makes the earth and it's turning with the day-night cycle. That's how we establish our time and hours and calendar. It's an accommodation for us. Time is a blessing for us to bring order and regularity to our lives. God doesn't need time. He's timeless. He's eternity, past, present, and future. ICR Associate Professor of Physics, Dr. Russ Humphreys. Time is a created thing, and it is the servant of God, just as all other things are, which um, a lot of people seem to think differently about. They often will say, time would not permit God to make the universe in only six days here on Earth. And uh, what they're saying is that time is more powerful than God. Time would not permit God to do something. And that is the thought that a lot of people have when they're faced with the question of God creating in six ordinary days. But they've got to be reminded that God is not the servant of time. Time is the servant of God. It's God's slave, and God seems to have kind of gone out of his way in Genesis chapter 1 to make that point. That he can do in a hurry and in a very short time what we might think it would take a very long time for him to do. Therefore, God's view of time is different from ours. Dr. DeYoung. How does God see time? Second Peter 3, verse 8, 
tells us that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. This means that God is not limited to the present as we are. He stands completely outside the limits of time. He lives in the past, present, and future simultaneously. God is present everywhere, not only in the sense of place, but also in time. Dr. Vardaman. That's really one of the infinity principles, as I call it. It's something beyond our ability to really understand. And how can God create time? How can he be outside of time? That is a concept that's almost impossible to understand. And yet, Scripture talks about that. For example, in Psalm 90, verse 4, and which is also repeated in 2 Peter 3, 8, a thousand years is with the Lord as a day, and a day is a thousand years. A major misunderstanding about God's view of time in this verse has led some to question the literal six-day creation we read about in Genesis. Now, that is quite frequently misinterpreted or misunderstood to justify the day-age theory, the idea that a million years would be like a day, or a thousand years would be like a day, and therefore evolution could occur over that period of time. But that's not what the Bible's talking about. It's basically saying to God, he sees this all at one time. The past, the present, and the future is the same to God. It isn't to us. We're currently in the present. We've experienced the past, and we anticipate the future. But God doesn't do it that way. He sees it all at the same instant. He's outside of time. Dr. DeYoung gives us an example of how God can see past, present, and future. Perhaps a musical composition can help our understanding. Suppose we sit down at a piano with sheet music before us. We may practice the beginning of the piece, or the end, or we may skip around to any score we wish. In this way, we can sample the past, present, and future of the song. The freedom to move through music gives perhaps just a glimpse of God's overview of time and history. God looks down on all of history every moment. In Revelation 21, verse 6, God calls himself the Alpha and Omega, that is, both the beginning and the end. Dr. Vardaman. So the basic concept here is that God is outside of time, He is the creator of time, mass and space as well, but he's created time itself. Now, we we have a hard time with that because we live in time. We can't even imagine being outside of time. Although God is not limited by time, we are. But is the time that we're bound in the same throughout the universe? Does time flow or tick at the same rate everywhere? Dr. Humphreys. Everyone seems to think that all clocks and all time ticks at the same rate everywhere, but you'll have to disabuse yourself of that notion because experiments show that that is not so. So uh, time can tick at different rates under different conditions. And in a moving rocket ship that's moving fast with respect to the fabric of the universe, clocks will slow down. And that's another kind of relativity effect called velocity time dilation or velocity time stretching. So um, if you're a twin and one of you stays on the Earth and the other hops in a rocket ship and goes to the nearest star very fast and comes back, the twin aboard the rocket ship will not have aged as much as the twin on Earth. So the rocket ship's clocks will have ticked slower. So both gravity and speed affect time. So time is not the sacred thing that 
people seem to think it is, that, that it's untouchable. And because gravitational energy and mass work hand in hand, less mass and less gravity equals faster time clocks, while more mass and more gravity slow time down. For example, the gravitational energy and mass near a black hole in space results in a slow time clock. Dr. Faulkner. The closer you get to the surface of the black hole, what we call the event horizon, which is the boundary of the black hole, the slower time would proceed compared to somebody far away from the black hole. So if you're watching somebody as they were near the surface of the black hole and you were far away from it, you would see that person's time going very slowly. Their clocks would run slowly, their life processes would run slowly, and uh, when you brought them back, they wouldn't have aged as much as you have. You might have aged a year and they might have only aged a month. However, the amount of time a person would age and the actual time they lived would be the same. It's not like it's a fountain of youth because they would have only experienced a month of time, so it's not like you're, you're uh, cheating time here. It's just your time is moving at a different rate. We've learned that time progresses at different rates depending on the circumstances. We know that time slows down in extreme speeds and in great amounts of mass and gravity. So does this mean that time travel is possible? Could one travel at a fast enough speed to go back in time? Well, Dr. Humphrey says in order for time travel to be obtainable, one would have to surpass the speed of light. Theoretically, according to relativity, if we could somehow travel faster than the speed of light, then there is a way, says the theory, that we could travel back to a time before we were born, for example. So uh, that's theory. I don't know whether theory corresponds to reality or not in that regard. But, Dr. Faulkner says, even with today's technology, reaching the speed of light is an impossibility. In order to reach the speed of light, where presumably time would stop for us, uh, require acceleration from where we are today. You'd have to ramp up your speed to a very high, high level. Uh, in order to get you up to the uh, speed of light, it would require an infinite amount of energy to do that. And so consequently, you don't have that much energy that are available to us. So you could never get yourself up to that sort of speed. So it seems to me that, that stopping time for people is, is out of question. Dr. DeYoung agrees. Science fiction stories often include the concept of time travel. This means moving through time and visiting the distant past or the future. If this could occur, we might be able to go backward a century or two and perhaps even rewrite history. Of course, the idea of time travel remains in the realm of science fiction or fantasy. Although we're confined in the present with time moving us forward, someday, time as we know it will stop, and then we'll be in eternity. Dr. Vardaman reminds us that eternity is forever, and it's our choice where we'll be spending it. Whether you believe in God and accept His salvation through Christ Jesus, you are eternal. You're either going to spend eternity in heaven are you going to spend eternity in hell? But we're all eternal, and we will all be outside of time someday. In order for us to be able to live eternally with God, Jesus Christ, who is outside of time, had to step into time when he came to earth. How did Christ do that? How did God send his Son from eternity into time? That concept is impossible for us to understand as well, that the holy God the omnipotent God, the all-powerful, the infinite God, bound himself in time and space in order to provide the salvation for our eternal 
being with Him. And God's gift of eternal life in heaven is free to all who will receive it. That plan of salvation is a very special uh, method by which He is drawing us unto Himself. It's voluntary. He's not forcing us to have this relationship with Him. But if we choose that relationship, and it's based strictly on the sacrifice that Christ provided for us through his death on the cross at Calvary. If we accept that for our sins, and it's not something we do, we simply accept the free gift that God has given us, then we inherit eternal life with him. We already have eternal life, but we have eternal life with God. That's the blessing. And that's one of the main reasons our whole ministry exists, is to be able to give people an understanding of God's plan, uh, not only in this physical world, but the spiritual world as well. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.